The information in this podcast is for educational purposes only. You should consult your doctor, specialist, or physical trainer for advice on your physical wellness goals before you plan to follow any of the suggestions or recommendations in this podcast. Hello. Hola. Marhaba. Welcome to the Astro About Wellness Podcast. Join me, Shazana Sunny. And the Astro Duo, Asfar Azman, and Azima Azman, your host from New York. Let's strive to educate, regenerate, and elevate family institutions through optimal productivity and wellness education, one episode at a time. Are you ready? To listen to inspirational stories of trust, respect, acceptance, integrity, love, and social responsibility for multicultural families and special needs communities? Sit back and relax and be inspired by the awesome people that we highlight in the podcast. Hello! May peace be upon you. You are listening to the first episode in the new year with me, Shazana, and the Astro Duo, Arthpar and Adima. I hope 2024 will be a good year. My goal for 2024 is to be productive. Inshallah. I've been waiting for many, many years to have a cat. So now we have a cat now. He's so cute, Mashallah. Because he lives in our Muslim household, we call him Bakadin. And also one more thing. Uh, I got a new abaya today, her cross cake! Yay! Abaya is a traditional Islamic clothing that, that that woman we wear. It's a long sleeve dress. So I'm going to wear the new one on this Saturday for my GYG class. <laughs> GYG is a girls youth group on Saturdays where because we do some fun activities. We start at 10 a.m. and we end around 1.30. So... And also, we do a lot of things. We do archery, we do board games. We're going to start with the good year and end with the good year. Inshallah. Today is World Hijab Day. So this week, we will discuss about the hijab book recently published by Hidayah Amin of Helang Books, Singapore. Muslim women love to dress modestly. And for many of us, we like to pair our abayas or dresses with a hijab, also known as veil, scarf or poncho. We are so thrilled to have Hidayah Amin and Nadia Rose Nodin, who is one of the contributing writers on our show. We are also grateful to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and then to Hidayah because our hijab story is also published in this hijab book. Woohoo, mashallah. Now, let's start the conversation going. Ladies, welcome to the show. Tell us about yourself, some fun facts about you, and what you're most passionate about in life. Assalamu alaikum, everyone. Uh, my name is Hidai Amin, and I'm from Singapore. So, I am the publisher of Halang Books, uh, an independent uh, publishing house in Singapore. And I'm also an author. 
Some people think that I'm quite serious. So, and when they, uh, when they talk to me, they realize that, hey, you know, I can be quite funny. You know, as time passes, as we mature, I think I'm uh, passionate about causes. I want to so-called advocate for things that I believe in. Uh, for instance, um, so Halang Books, we, we started this series called I Am, I Am Unique. It's a children's book um, about uh, children with special needs. And because I think it's one of the things that are not talked about and there's very limited literature, especially about local uh, kids. And so, you know, and we started it and... So far, I've never seen any similar like uh, books. There are, uh, uh, you know, one or two, but uh, ours, um, uh, they are bilingual. So it's either English, Malay or English, Chinese. Uh, so uh, currently, that I think for me, it's more about the courses that I believe in and about using the platform that I have to advocate for uh, for such courses, uh, for instance, the hijab book that we are going to talk about. What new books have you published between 2021 to 2023? Uh, the non-fiction book which we couldn't launch because of COVID uh, lockdown was the Kuei book, Kuei from Appam to Wajid Pictorial Guide to Malay Desert. Uh, so, in 2021, um, and we, we couldn't launch it because of COVID, but we had uh, we had an uh, online launch. Sang Nila Utama and Tun Sri Lanang, Singapore's last Malay schools. It's about the last two Malay schools uh, in Singapore and which nobody really talk about. And uh, these schools are very important. They are, in fact, the pioneer students uh, who attended these schools were like the scholars from Brunei, you know, uh, Malaysia, and of course uh, Singapore. And most of the most of the graduates actually went on to become someone uh, big in their home country, like you know, minister, permanent secretary, uh, minister, like lawyer. You know, we publish uh, an anthology of eight uh, stories. Once Upon a Place, Eight Singaporeans' Memoirs. So it's basically about eight individuals uh, from all walks of life. Uh, they share their stories about the places that uh, they grew up in. Uh, you, when you read the stories, it's personal histories uh, collectively unfold into a broader Singaporean narrative. Uh, Alhamdulillah, uh, I published the third a book in the Malay Heritage Series, which is Nasi When Rice Grains Cry, A Pictorial Guide to Malay Rice Dishes. Um, you see, our Malay kuih was hijacked. <laughs> and, you know, it became like Pranaka. And uh, so, and then also rice. Even at the start of 2021, there was this uh, hoo-ha about the, this dish that uh, called Nasi Ambang Pranakan. I mean, Ambang is a Javanese uh, name and the dish is uh, it's Malay dish but of course of Javanese origin but how can it become Pranakan you know what what kind of aspect uh, so there was this big kuha and then I've decided again you know use my platform you know write about it 
so basically, I um, the book is about twelve, uh, you know, essential Malay rice dishes that are eaten and enjoyed by people in Singapore, Malaysia, uh, Indonesia, and Brunei. So, which is nasi ambeng, you know, and even nasi padang. Uh, nasi padang is a dish. Uh, it's rice with many many side uh, dishes, and it is padang. It refers to um, the Minangkabau who came from Sumatra, uh, but unfortunately, it became uh, translated as field rice. Padang is Malay for field, so how can it become field rice? And then they say, oh, you eat nasi padang using quinoa. I mean. We all don't eat quinoa, <laughs> so so this even this simple rice dishes, people always there's a lot of misconception, and so I thought, okay, you know that that's one book that I'm uh, that I wrote, um, and of course the latest nonfiction book is the one uh, hijab everyday stories of Muslim women from Singapore and beyond. In twenty twenty one. We restarted the iMunich series. Uh, the third book, which is on Down syndrome. My name is Alicia. I have Down syndrome, and then uh, uh, we have the our first book in in Chinese, English, Chinese. My name is Adam. I have type one diabetes, and then there's a series of bilingual book about uh, Semaguang and the Giant Jar, and uh, Hang Nadim. And the garfish. These are based on uh, local or Asian folk tales. Um, and we also managed to publish. My name is Riz. I have motor neuron disease. It's about um, a local uh, presenter and celebrity who was diagnosed with motor neuron, and it was very shocking for everybody. And so you know, we we decided to. Talk about him and you know how he uh, the illness that he faced and unfortunately Rizunawan passed away. Yeah, so that was quite sad. But Alhamdulillah, uh, he left a legacy. Uh, and recently, uh, he, uh, we launched uh, the same the sixth book in the series. My name is Ling. I'm blind. What motivated you to call for writers to submit their hijab stories and publish their book? In 2021, I, uh, sometime in March, I was really sleeping. <laughs> and then I received a phone call. Uh, so Nadia Hashim uh, is a good friend of mine who, who is a doctor in uh, UK. And we actually met because uh, we both uh, were the pioneer recipients of the LBKM prestigious uh, scholarship. So that time I was uh, studying in Cambridge and she was uh, studying in Imperial. And they were, I think we were the only girls who received it. So, we, so she called me and she said, Hey Hidayah, did you watch the parliamentary debates? Of course, Singapore is home to to her to us. So, but I'm I'm quite surprised that she followed. And I said, uh, not really. <laughs> Why? Oh no! You have to go go back and watch the telecast again. And then she said, oh, uh, there was this debate between MP Faizal Manaf, 
uh, and Minister Masagos. Masagos, Minister Masagos uh, is the minister in charge of Muslim affairs in Singapore. So, and apparently they were debating about the hijab. And MP Faisal, you know, brought it up and said that, look, you know, we are championing, we want, you know, uh, to allow a Muslim woman to wear hijab. Uh, you know, and this, it has, this, uh, uh, this matter has been brought up again and again over the years. And what was interesting is that uh, the minister in charge of Muslim affairs were like, actually thumbing him down. In a way, to me, it seems very belittling. I mean, this is our honest opinion. Um, so, Nadia was very upset. Um, and then she said, of course, you know, uh, it, she said even though, you know, she's very far away, she cares about our Muslims uh, in Singapore. And I said, okay, so what do you want me to do? <laughs> I'm like, I'm a non-hijabi, you know, like, you are asking me to do something? And then uh, she said, oh, Hidayah, you know, you, you should do something. You know, I'm, I'm so far away, but you're in Singapore, you're there. Uh, why don't you use your platform? So I said, like what, you know? And then she said, use, use her long book. You know, maybe we can ask the Muslim sisters why they wear hijab. Because, actually, actually she has a point. Because with all this talk about hijab and uh, the policy makers always have like closed door discussion. Actually, and most of the policy makers are male, right? So you have majority male members of parliament, Muslim male member of parliament, who are deciding for the faith of Muslims, and it is quite ironic that I mean, to me, like I said again, I have to quantify. This is my personal opinion. Some people may disagree, but this is what I observe from my, uh, uh, and I feel that the the MPs who wear the hijab on parliament, in, in parliament, they are not speaking for the Muslim woman. And then you have me, a non-hijabi, who, who feel that, of course, the hijab is very important. Like, like I said, inshallah, uh, one day I will wear the hijab. I'm, uh, and I explained during the launch, it's quite funny to, to have a non-hijabi advocating uh, about the hijab. It's just that I, I'm actually very uh, afraid. I'm not strong enough like the rest of my Muslim sisters in Singapore. You know, they wear the hijab and they face all kind of like discrimination. They face all these challenges and I am not strong enough. And I feel that I am not able to face what, you know, the hijabis are facing on a daily basis. And all you hijabis in Singapore, you know, you all kind of inspire me and hopefully one day I'll be as strong as all of you. But in the meantime, uh, like Nadia said, I could use the platform uh, to, to advocate for my sisters. So I told her, okay, let, let me just think about it. Uh, let me, uh, you know, see what, what we can do. The best is, okay, so I publish books, right? So maybe I could ask the Muslim sisters, okay, you know, send me your stories about your experience with the hijab. And I actually woke up and I did a simple poster. <laughs> and then Nadia said, you know what, Hidayah, I will send this to my network. Uh, I, I also publicize it on social media. And then uh, and Nadia said, I will also contribute one story. And I think if you read Nadia's story also, you can feel that kind of, 
the kind of challenges she faced, which is really quite major. So, uh, I give a deadline because I know topics like this are very hot, so I don't want to drag it. So I gave like about two months, you know, and nobody submitted the stories. So I was so disappointed and in a way quite hurt. I'm like, so I extended the deadline and still no nothing. Then I used real models with hijab. If you look at the Halang Books uh, Instagram page and Facebook, to actually, you know, use real models with hijab to ask people to actually send in, you know, that, hey, you know, this is like quite serious. They are like real models here with hijab. All orang kampung <laughs> So please send in your, uh, your, your stories. And then, uh, like it trickle, you know, and contrary to what people believe, I don't, I, I mean, some of the people who contributed the stories are my friends because they tell, ah, you mean nobody sent you? Then they decided to send. But the rest, I, I've never met them. I actually met them on the launch day itself. Uh, so, it, it's just so slow that suddenly the Singapore government decided, oh, now nurses can wear hijab if they want to. <laughs> so, I'm thinking, okay, so is my hijab book redundant then now that they allowed the nurses to wear hijab? Shall I still continue with this book? And I was, uh, and I know that... Uh, writing a book of uh, religious nature I'm not able to get grant I'm not able to get grant uh, from National Art Council or, or some National Heritage Board or whatever so I mean, I was very prepared to fund this um, you know on my own and in fact I actually asked like my uncle hey you know can would you like to sponsor printing and then he said okay and Alhamdulillah um after he, you know, he gave me some money to print this book, I mean, at least to, to sponsor partially, he passed away. I mean, he, he was really old and sickly, but to me, it is, you know, it's something good, right? It's an Amal Jaria. Like, he actually sponsored this, this very important book. I think the reason for the allowing the nurses to wear hijab, in my opinion, is mainly manpower issue. Not so much of, oh, we understand why Islam allows you or you know, wants you to, to cover up. In fact, if you read in the story, right, there's a few nurses, uh, I mean, in the hijab book that, uh, you know, they were very conflicted and they had to leave because they want to wear the hijab and in Singapore, you couldn't. While else in other countries, you can. The irony of it all, like in, in other non-Muslim countries, equally in the West, you can uh, so I've, I mean, I've stayed in the US, I've also stayed in Europe, and I've seen with my own eyes, you know, people, actually, kids in school going with the hijab. In, in American public school, even, as small as primary school, I've seen with my own eyes. And I always think in France, yes, I know they don't allow hijabis in, in, uh, in high school, yeah, for all this fraternity, you know, solidarity, the, the, the values. But when you're in university, you can wear the hijab. You know, so, so again, like I said, sometimes it's not encompassing. So we have to, so because, alhamdulillah, I am, I'm aware of this because of uh, my background and because I've lived in, you know, and I'm uh, in these countries. So I'm able to maybe, you know, kind of like rationalize a little bit. And I said, wait a minute. Okay, so now you allow the nurses to wear a job. Uh, 
why why do you now allow it especially during covid so i think it is manpower issue because a lot of qualified there's a lot of qualified uh, registered nurses uh, muslim nurses in singapore and a lot of them are leaving because you know they they cannot wear the hijab what do you do you get nurses from other countries who are not as qualified and who cannot really speak to the with the local dialect to some of the singaporean elderly generation can you know who may not understand so i so to me it's like it's just that you need to fulfill this manpower need and you allow nurses to job and then all these things about just getting a fatwa from oe to allow so what you know i mean really you you shouldn't be able to issue a fatwa on things that you you need to cover right and uh, as a non-hijabi i mean i question and i see this so uh and again there are doctors there are nurses in other countries even in the philippines where you can wear hijab and people in the military you know who can wear hijab and and hence this is what i i find that uh we are still lacking here So a friend of mine uh Jasmine who also contributed in the book and she said hey, so how's your call for for stories and I said it's pathetic <laughs> and then she said really and she wanted also do you want me to write I mean I'm Malaysian so she says yeah you can you know I just like just muslim sisters you know doesn't matter where you stay so then I think she she also advertised for her friends you know in other countries to write and then at the same time uh Dian uh I was talking to Dian uh Dian was the one who conducted the survey that's also included in the book and she received 1024 respondents uh, uh Dian stays in London now so she uh, we were uh, in touch because she wanted to write about her family story and because I have written books about my own family history you know so she wanted to get some ideas and then she said hey, hidaya i see that you are trying to get people to like share their stories about their hijab experience and then she said oh i actually did this survey would you like to use it in your book so she actually did the survey because she's curious and she want to know why you know how um, muslimas you know like how important is hijab is to them and what the challenges they face you know have they been uh, if they're working which sectors are they working and how important it is for them to wear the hijab at work you know things like this so and then she said oh i actually yeah because i wanted to know and then it struck to me yes nobody actually did any survey at least in singapore i did not hear anyone doing survey and then i was thinking you know what i'll just go and apply for a, a slot at the singapore writers festival uh, this hijab book it looks very simple it's stories of people experiences with hijab but if you look at it overall you have uh, it gives context of the hijab and timeline in singapore so you know what actually happened and you know when they allow but still in school you're not still not allowed to wear hijab and i think it's very important because uh this documentation is always very important because i've done a lot of books about singapore history and all that 
and none of it has been documented like Kampung Glam which is uh, where the area where I grew up in it is a historic precinct but there hasn't been any book a real proper academic book even you know until my book uh, so so I understand the importance of documentation because later I do not want the younger generation to think oh but but nurses can wear hijab but they have been fighting for years Students in Singapore have been fighting for years. Do you know that? No. So, uh, so to me, it is uh, more like a sociological uh, insight uh, to the hijab uh, usage or non-usage in Singapore. So, I, I think it's uh, it's a very it serves as a good case study on Singapore and the hijab, that's number one. Uh, and number two, again, there's qualitative uh, based on the stories that you all have submitted and there's quantitative data. So you know exactly the hijabis, you know, what they actually want. And and we are not commissioned by government or anything. So you know these are really, is genuine, <laughs> genuine research. Not that we want to tweak it to suit in some policies or whatever. What do you hope to achieve from publishing this important book on hijab? I wanted to start meaningful conversations and dialogue. Like, you know, uh, so the non-Muslim will, they are able to assess something like, uh, you know, stories. Because stories are very powerful. Narration, nobody wants to read like, feedback survey <laughs> result even if you look in the book the result of the survey are done in a very interesting way right i mean graphically i think it's very well done so i have to thank my infographic designer you know as because it will attract people when you look at it you know there's even you know the graphs are in the shape of the hijab so and i i like it the result in graphic form which is quite attractive and colorful and uh so i want especially non-Muslims to to have conversation to, to read oh this and to know what it takes you know to wear the hijab you know it takes you know a lot of courage a lot of conviction a lot of de still determination like again that I said that I am unfortunately I'm not I'm not that strong to do that and and then admire people who have the conviction to, to do that and so I wanted to start Minifone Conversation I want to use again like Nadia say use the platform that I have I can do all and, and influence people you know towards goodness so I just have to use my Halang books and, and, and people know that Halang books Alhamdulillah produce good quality books you know, and so I want to use that so that people say, oh, it's a Halang Books publication. You know, let, let's go and read about it. Oh, it's Hidayah Amin. You know what I mean? Like, okay, maybe, maybe, you know, it's quite interesting what she has to say. Let's, so I use whatever limited, like my limited fame <laughs> or that, that I have to, to get people to read this book and my, my contacts, you know, like uh, my network. And then when they hear you know, like, okay, there is this very interesting book, let's read it. So, um, and I want the other Muslims to read it and then, and to get, and be courageous enough, like all oh, your 23 of you in the book, you know. And of course, there are two non-Muslims there, but they wrote about their experiences with hijabi. So, you know, so at least, hey, you know, don't be afraid of people with hijab. We are not all like suicide bombers or, uh, or, or radicals or whatever, whatever stereotype you have. And that is the reason why 
maybe maybe some of you out there do, do not know, but I actually put my face in a hijab on the front cover. Uh, it is not narcissism. Uh, again, like I used to say, I just wanted to to put a point across uh, to especially our Muslim leadership in Singapore because most of them know that I don't wear the hijab. And then you see me in a hijab, in a cover of the hijab book. It is a statement that I'm trying to make. If the people who are supposed to be leaders of the society, supposed to advocate for Islam, are not doing it, then shame on you. You have a non-hijabi who some people think are like so non-Islamic, but now she is doing this work for the hijab. So to me, it's more like a personal statement. Do you have a favorite quote or words of wisdom to inspire others to remain steadfast and resilient in this unpredictable world? It resonated with me and it actually started me on this journey of knowledge, not seeking knowledge of spreading knowledge. So many, 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 many years ago, uh, my mom, uh, she said, she said something like, uh, oh, she said this in Malay. I can't remember in what context we were talking and she said, oh, kalau kita tidak tulis cerita kita, nanti orang lain akan tulis cerita kita. It means if you don't, if we don't write our story, someone else will write it for us. So this, then I was like, ah, my mother, the homemaker, you know? And when she said that, it's like, yeah, you know, it's so true. If nobody hears our story, we don't tell our story, other people will write the story for us and then the narratives will get, you know, distorted. It will be, you know, I'm sure you see in this world, right? All this fake news, all the propaganda, all the false information. So it's because we don't tell our story from our perspective. Thank you. Next in line is Nadia Rose Nodin. Assalamualaikum, Nadia. Waalaikumsalam, Shazana. Thank you for having me. Tell us about yourself, fun facts about you, and what you are most passionate about. Right, um, I love history, archaeology, train rides, and almost. And I'm actually a language teacher by profession with a love for reading for as long as I could remember. Um, I think uh, recently, I think of all the travels I've had recently, I tend to visit most at places that are most unlikely. For example, like I went to the southern of Thailand and I went to Patani to visit the old Krisit uh, Mosque. So that's one thing that I did very recently. And uh, I think uh, to, to talk about fun facts, I remember one person told me that um, I actually carry two flowers in my name. Yeah, I, I'm usually known by Nadia Rose Nordin, but my, my, name, my middle name is Rose Liliana actually. So I carry Rose and Lily. And um, I love batik sarung so much that I also just realized I put on a challenge that um, to wear batik for a whole month to work and I realized I didn't have to repeat any. 
So that that's how many I have. And uh, my mom just gifted me one earlier today, a, a dark green batik. So that's how much I love batik. Um, at the moment, I think I'm most passionate about um, Malay architecture. Uh, I advocate for reading among youngsters, especially, and I um, uh, enjoy reading and reimagining folklore of the Nusantara world uh, globally too. And I love exploring Malay queer recipes. So I'm waiting for the term break to uh, get started. What motivated you to write your hijab story and? Contribute to the collection of hijab stories by Helang Books. When I first saw the post calling for the hijab stories, I actually had a quick recall of a funny hijab-related story um, told by a beloved uh, university lecturer. Uh, she's a revert, and um, it was really, really funny. And um, imagine like um, the 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 hijab flying away, you know, at the bus stop. So. Then I started remembering how, how I came about wearing the hijab in my teens. And, you know, probably it, I never thought that uh, someone would ask how you started wearing. So, and everybody's journey is different. And I thought I'd share mine with the rest of the world. When I first started wearing the hijab was I did almost the exact opposite of what was going on at that time, whereby most of my peers wore it to school first. I instead. Uh, wore it outside of school and then when I you know started feeling comfortable with it and I uh, there was a some sort of uh, wearing hijab campaign during Ramadan at school I started wearing at school and from then on until today please share any portion of your hijab story with us growing up in Malaysia almost makes me take for granted this notion that Muslims everywhere are always at liberty to freely practice Islam. When I first travelled to Paris in 2013, I wore a bonnet to blend in due to some sort of Islamophobia that was going on at that time. That trip opened my eyes to the predicament of those who had to consciously choose not to cover up due to various reasons, such as drawing attention to self or for general safety. In Malaysia, I've seen job advertisements stating employers' preference for modern Muslim females, which in my view is not so subtle act of discrimination against the so-called conservatives, the tudung-wearing ones. These were quite apparent, particularly in the sales and marketing sectors in the hotel and tourism industry, as well as in the corporate sector. I too had tasted unpleasantries of being discriminated against. When people see me dressed conservatively in my usual tudung bawal and cotton baju kurung, they wrongly assume that I cannot speak fluent English. I find this insulting and offensive. And last but not least, what advice do you have for Muslim girls and women in Singapore and beyond who are contemplating wearing the hijab permanently? I am humbled first to be asked to offer advice for hijab wearing as I think it is not my place to preach. Um, nevertheless, as a fellow Muslim, it is a reminder to both you and I and the rest of the Muslim sisterhood that it is important to be committed to our faith. And uh, one of the ways of showing commitment is following Allah's commands and to wear the hijab is one of them. It is important to start knowing Allah, connect with him. And in the process of strengthening the relationship with Allah, the Almighty, one would follow his commands willingly, out of love, 
And that is the beauty of Islam. Many tend to actually overlook. Islam is a way of life and wearing the hijab is returning to fitrah. At least that's how I uh, learned uh, wearing the, or started wearing the hijab. So to some, uh, wearing the hijab may seem at first like a big deal, having to change a lifestyle and whatnot. But it is always good to start small, to take baby steps, to start somewhere. Wear a selendang or a shawl during Ramadan, first shawal or to a wedding reception to start off. For those who have choose, uh, for those who have to choose between a career and the hijab, remember that all is in Allah's hands. So choose Islam and hijab, and inshallah, everything else will fall into place. Wearing the hijab can be easy and challenging, and it's a lifetime commitment. So uh, I think. Uh, an advice to all and to myself also is to stay steadfast throughout, come what may. Um, may Allah reward our patience and unwavering determination to improve ourselves in becoming better Muslims and indirectly become role models to others. Thank you so much for the wonderful interview. May Allah reward you for all your good deeds. Amin. Till we meet again in the next episode. Bye! We've now come to the end of the show today. If you have enjoyed our show, like us on Instagram, Facebook and Twitter at AstroWello A-S-K-T-R-I-O-W-E-L-L-O Send us your feedback to Shazana at AstroWello.com Visit our website at astrowello.com and subscribe to Astro About Wellness Podcast. Woohoo!